Good morning. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 11. And if you're just now visiting with us, we're on a sermon series based on the word surrender. And um, we're going through several weeks of some of the things that we hold on to that God might be calling us to surrender. And some of those things um, that we need to surrender might be the very thing that's causing us not to follow Jesus with all of our heart. And it might be fear, it might be some type of sin. A few weeks ago we said sometimes that's even the blessing that God gives us that we have to surrender. Um, but today um, we're talking about when the grave and death surrendered to Jesus. Amen. The power of Christ, right? The sin has no hold on us. Death has no hold on us because of the power of Christ. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. But I want to figure out um, kind of who this audience is for in this morning, right? So let me ask you this. Has anybody ever seen the TV show, um, The Walking Dead? Raise your hand. Okay. So if you don't know the TV show, Walking Dead, um, it's basically a zombie TV show. Okay. I'm a guy. So of course I like it, right? I like watching the zombie stuff. Some of you might not like it. Lucy doesn't like it. I do. It's because I'm a guy, right? But anyways, there's this, uh, it's all about like this apocalyptic time where the world's coming to an end. There's zombies. If you get bit by one or scratched or something by one, then you're going to turn into one too, right? And there's this point in season number two where the main character, Rick, is on this farm with this farmer named Herschel. Of course, uh, the farmer's name is Herschel, right? That sounds like an East Tennessee name to me, Herschel. I'm Farmer Herschel. Right. And Farmer Herschel and Rick, they're kind of sitting, they're kind of looking out in the distance. And Farmer Herschel is a believer. And Rick is kind of questioning him like, man, how can you still believe in God? And when all these zombies are walking around and he says, well, you know, Rick, I believe that God said he would resurrect one day. And, and I know that Jesus said that he's going to resurrect um, the, the sleeping believers, but I never thought it would look like this. Right. And, he, and I thought that was funny to me that that that's what, he, you know, in, his, in that time, of course, it's a TV show. But in that time, he still believed that, yeah, I know Jesus can do something. And I know that Jesus is real. But, you know, and, and he kind of lost faith there for a little bit. Right. And so today, my question is, man, what do you truly believe about God? We know that today we're celebrating Easter, right? We're celebrating the fact that Jesus being perfect and being holy came down to earth because of sin and the fact that sin had separated us from God and God hated that, so, that separation so much that he was willing to send his son to die for us. And we know that we're celebrating Easter because not only did he take the beating uh, of history, the worst beating in history, not only did he take that beating and, and he was shamed and he was spit on and he uh, was crucified and nailed to a cross, we know that that should have been our place. But Jesus substituted his perfect life for us. For even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And we know that we're celebrating today because that they took Jesus' body off of the cross and they laid him in the grave and they wrapped him in these grave clothes and they put him in there. We know that we're celebrating today that Jesus promised that he would resurrect. Amen. And today we're celebrating that Jesus did what he said he was going to do. Because Jesus is who he says he is. Amen. Amen. So let me ask you, what do you truly believe about Easter? Because if you truly believe that Jesus can do anything, that he has the power to do anything, like call a dead man to life, like resurrect himself out of the grave, and that do you believe that maybe he can do the same thing for you? Amen. Hmm. We're going to find out. 
We're going to find out. Let's pray, and we're going to dig into God's Word a little bit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for uh, what today means, um, what we signify today, Jesus, that you came, you died, you were buried, and you live today. Um, Jesus, we thank you. And Jesus, I pray that you would speak um, through these scriptures, God, that you would speak through the story of Lazarus, God, that how you called him out of his grave, God. And I pray that you show us how you call us out of our grave, that you call us away from our sin and you call us to walk in new life with you, Jesus. Uh, Lord, I pray that you use me as your microphone. God, speak through me. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. Fill us up. Um, If someone here doesn't know you or someone here needs to maybe rededicate their life, God, I don't know what it is, but Lord, I pray that you work on them now and you give them courage to make a decision for you, Jesus. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, John chapter 11. Here's a little context. Jesus is going around. He's doing ministry. And at this point, he's now saying like, hey, I and the Father are one, right? He's saying, I am God. God is my Father, but I am God as well, right? Here I am. And the, the Pharisees are trying to kill Jesus, okay? He literally just escaped being stoned to death, okay? And now we're going to pick up in chapter 11, John chapter 11, verse 1. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. You can follow along in your Bible this morning. John 11, verse 1, saying this. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who appointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Okay, so the first thing I want you to catch is in verse 3. It says, the sisters sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And what I want you to catch here, it's very important. I've read this story many times. How many of you know the story of Lazarus? Right. I've read it thousands of times. I've heard it in Sunday school. I've heard sermons on it, but I don't think I've ever caught this. And the Lord said, Donnie, why do you think it says he whom you love? And I'll tell you why. It's because our love for Jesus really isn't worth mentioning. It doesn't say Jesus, Lazarus, that guy who loves you. It was no Jesus, whom, Lazarus, whom you love is ill. And what that says is our love for Jesus is faulty. It's flaky. Our love for Jesus sometimes get put on the back burner and replaced with things that don't even, uh, it's not even worth us loving, but we do it. But Jesus' love for us is always worth mentioning. It's the only thing worth mentioning. The fact that Jesus loved us and while we were yet sinners, He died for us. Amen. Not because, oh, the sinners loved Him, so yeah, they love me, so here I come. It was Jesus in your dirt and in your sin. I love you and I'm coming. I'm coming to save you. So our love for Jesus isn't really worth mentioning. Even John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world. There never did it say that the world loved God, so God decided to do something for them. No, it's always God loves us. Always. And then look at verse 4 one more time. It says, And Jesus heard this. He said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Right? Understand that the Bible says that there are two kinds of people in this world. My mom used to say that too. She said, People like me and people that want to be like me. (laughs) That's not true. The Bible says that there's two kinds of people in this world. The condemned and the not condemned. The Bible says that uh, in John 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only son. 
And what that means is that our sin, right, if you don't know what sin is, anything outside of God's will, anytime that you follow your own desire, anytime that you lust for something, anytime that you lie, anything literally outside of God's will for your life is sin. And the Bible says that sin equals death, for the wages of sin equals death, right? And so what this is saying here is that this sin death that we have, right, this sin that we have is going to lead to death. And in the case of Lazarus, he was actually really sick, and he was actually really dying. But what it means is that those who believe in Jesus and surrender to to Jesus, illness and sickness will never lead to death. That's a bold statement, right? Amen. Let me give you an example. Um, y'all know Miss Ann Armstrong. She's not here this morning. She's at home resting, um, getting ready for some treatment. But Miss Ann has suffered with many different types of cancer. Right, Brother Gary? He, she's suffered with many different kinds of cancer. And she's gone through many different treatments, different chemos, different, uh, just all kinds of war with cancer. And she just recently was getting better and found out that her brain cancer, there's a little more. She said, I have more space in my head than I thought I did. Right. But there, there's some more cancer spots in there. and They're going to have to do a full brain chemotherapy on her, full radiation on her brain. And I was talking to her and I, I said, you know, what, how, how do you feel about this? What's God teaching you through this? And she goes, when I die, this is what I want people to say. I never want someone to say that my cancer won this battle. I never want anyone to say that I lost the battle because I know where my faith is and my faith is in Jesus Christ. And when I died, cancer didn't win, sin didn't win, the grave didn't win, but Jesus won. I have the victory and I'm going home. That's what it means when Jesus says this illness will not lead to death. Lazarus believed in Jesus Christ. Lazarus knew that, man, Jesus was this Messiah that they had been waiting on. He knew that Jesus was this guy who wasn't just a man, but this guy was God. He heard him when he said, man, I I know that you are who you say you are. And he had put his faith and trust in Jesus. And so I can already see on your face right now, Pastor, you saying we're not going to get sick? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is those who are not condemned, those who believe in Jesus, when we die, we're not going to face two deaths. We will die to this body, we will die to this world, and we will walk in a new life because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross in Calvary. What I'm saying is that if you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't surrender your life, you stand condemned already. And when you die, you will face a second death. And that death will never end. I know a lot of you know about heaven, but the Bible talks a lot about hell. And the Bible says that when you're in hell, it's suffering constantly for eternity. That it's so hot that you're going to be begging for a drop of water and you'll never be quenched. That you will want to die, but you will not die. And that is for eternity. People don't talk about hell, but it's real. So when you die without Jesus, you will face a second death and you will never end. The the second death will continue forever and ever because you stand condemned already. But we know that's not the end, right? We know that's not the end, right? We know that Jesus came to give believers a second chance, to give sinners like me a second chance to walk in a new life with Him. Have you ever heard of a story where the hero dies for the villain? This is the story. It's Jesus. Jesus dies for the bad guys. You never hear that. But here's Jesus trying to give sinners a second chance. All right, let's keep reading. Look at verse 5. 
Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you and you're going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Last week, we talked about this guy named Saul, right? You guys know Saul in the Bible. Eventually, he goes by his uh, Roman name, Paul, right? Anybody know Paul from the Bible? He literally wrote like half of the New Testament, right? And we talked about last week that before he was going by Paul, he was Saul. And it's this guy that he was um, persecuting the Christian church. The early Christian church, Jesus has already died. He's been buried. He's resurrected. He's revealed himself to his disciples, gave them the Great Commission. Go make more people that follow me. And the early church was just exploding. It was awesome. People were getting saved by the thousands. But here's this guy, Saul, who was persecuting Christians. He was going around throwing Christians into prison. He was getting them stoned. He was um, um, accepting um, Christian uh, persecution and executions. And then all of a sudden, as he's on his way to Damascus, trying to find more Christians to persecute, what happened to him? All of a sudden, this light shone around him. And he was blinded. And he said, who are you, Lord? Jesus said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. You see, Paul um, at one point was walking in darkness. At one point he was being blinded by his sin. And what Jesus is saying here is those who walk in the light, um, or what Jesus is saying is if a man walks in his own ways, if he walks in his own passions and his own ideas, not following Jesus, not seeking Jesus' will, they are going to stumble. How many of you have been on that before, been on that road before? Following your own ideas, doing what you feel is right. Little do you know, man, you're just going to stumble at some point. Looking back and go, man, I wish I could have done that differently, right? I have, a many, I have many of those stories that I wish I could go back and change a little bit. But uh, this is true for non-believers because non-believers are not close to the light. They're not even close to Jesus. Jesus says that I am the light of the darkness. I came here to show a light for man so that they can see, right? But um, in their darkness, what, how this applies for us, if you've ever felt, if you're a believer and you've ever felt like you can't stop sinning, maybe um, your, your passion for God just isn't as strong as it used to be. Maybe you don't feel as close to God as you once did before. How many of you have ever been like that before? Maybe, you're, maybe that's you right now, but maybe as a believer, you, you kind of feel like you're in the dark again. And the reason is because you are choosing darkness over light. See, the believer, we have this thing called free will. And you have the choice whether you're going to stay in the light of Jesus, you're going to continue to seek, you're going to continue to pursue Him, or you have the choice to sit back in the darkness and let the light kind of pass over you. And so maybe in your heart right now, maybe if you feel like, man, I, I, I know I love Jesus. I know I've given my life to him, but I feel, you know, I just kind of feel like uh, I'm not as close. Maybe God's kind of far away. Maybe there's something in your life that's drawing you back into the darkness. You guys with me on that? Maybe there's something that you keep choosing over Jesus to worship rather than Jesus himself. Right? So um, look at verse 11. We're going to keep going. And he's saying, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go to and awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. 
And Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also that we may die with him. And look at verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb Four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And verse 25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus asked, do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Yeah, so this is what we see. We see that, yes, Lazarus had died and he's been in the grave for four days. And yes, we see that his friends and family were grieving. But I want you to focus in on Martha for a little bit, right? Martha is just like most of us in here today. Right? Martha believed um, in Jesus. She had faith in Jesus that, he would ha- that if he would have been present, maybe he could have done something. She believed that if Jesus was here, he could have healed Lazarus. And she knows that because Martha had seen Jesus do all kinds of crazy things. She had seen him do so many different miracles. And she's heard about these different miracles that Jesus had the power to make a blind man see. That Jesus had the power to make a lame man walk. That Jesus had the power to rebuke demons and they would leave people's bodies and that Jesus had the power to yes even raise somebody from the dead so Martha's just like this we believe that Jesus is good we believe that Jesus can do big things but the problem was that she believed Jesus can do anything but not right then and there y'all following me she believed all these things but she didn't believe that now that Jesus can do something it's already been four days Lazarus has been dead in the grave for four days but if you would have been here four days earlier, Jesus, maybe you could have done something. And so my question to you is this. Are you like Martha? Does your faith in Jesus show that, yes, you believe that Jesus can do anything at any time to anyone, anywhere? Or is Jesus limited to just a certain few things that he can do in your life? See, for an example, when, when this, is how I, this is how I've been trained by Jesus to, to, to pray, right? Because I've seen Jesus do many things in my life. Have you ever seen Jesus do something big in your life? Say amen. amen. And so I've seen these things that Jesus has done in me and in my life and around other people to where this is why, how I pray. If you're in the hospital, and some of you have already experienced this before, right? But if you're in the hospital, I'm coming to pray for you. And I'm not going to pray, Jesus, if it's your will, heal this person. I'm not going to pray that. I'm going to stand there holding your hand and whoever's next to me, I'm going to grab their shoulder. I don't care if they want to pray or not. And I'm going to say, Jesus, heal this person. I know you can do it. Jesus, heal them. And I don't care what situation it is because I know this, that Jesus' will is going to get done regardless of what I pray. 
Jesus' will is going to get done because Jesus is Lord. He's the King of kings, Lord of lords. He's the Almighty. He's the all-powerful. My job is to pray Jesus heal them. Because I have faith that Jesus can do anything in anybody's life, in any situation, no matter how dark it is, no matter how evil it looks, no matter how drastic the, the doctor says things are, I'm praying for Jesus to do something big. And so are you like Martha, yet you believe in Jesus, but doubt that Jesus can do something in your life right now? I want to tell you this, even in your worst situation, Lazarus dead four days. Doesn't get any worse than that, right? Dead for four days in the grave. Jesus, if he can do something in Lazarus' life, he can do something in your life right now. If Jesus can do something in a man who's been dead for four days in his life, he can do something for you right now. Lazarus, dead for four days. Dude was gone. Jesus did something big in his life. Look at verse 23 and 24 again. It says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last days. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live again. This is what this verse is telling us. Jesus saying, I am the resurrection. And what that tells us is that Jesus has the power to resurrect. What that tells us is that Jesus is powerful. What that tells us is that Jesus, He is a resurrection and He is the life. Resurrection, and I know that word gets thrown around, but simply it just means to return to life. And what that means is that Christ is the author of resurrection. Christ is the author of the returning to life. Jesus is the author of the brand new life. So when Jesus was on the cross, when He was being beaten for our sin, when He was hung on the cross and the crown of thorns placed on His head, I want you to see the crown of thorns. John told me that one time, he put that crown on with the pole and it slid down and stabbed him in the hand. I want you to imagine what Jesus had to feel as they pressed that down on his head. When Jesus was being crucified on the cross and they buried him again, buried him in the grave, Jesus had the power to resurrect, to return to life, and to show them I am greater than what you think I am. I'm greater than the power that you think that you have. I have the power to resurrect, which means that death lost its power to control us. It means that death no longer had a hold on us. See, before Jesus did all that, before Jesus was beaten, before he was crucified, before they buried him in the cross, death had this power, had this sting that everybody would have to face in some point in their life. Because the Bible says that sin equals death. But here comes Jesus. Death has the power to put us in the grave. Here comes Jesus. Saying, I am the power and the resurrection. And he busts out of the grave with all of his power and glory and strength and makes death surrender its power to him. Here comes Jesus, looks at sin and says, You no longer have the victory. Here comes Jesus, says, I have all authority. In heaven and on earth. Here comes Jesus saying, I run this thing. I run this thing. And the grave and death surrendered its power and victory. 
to Jesus. But it doesn't end there. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Here is our hope. Here is our salvation as Christians. When we die, we have the hope that we won't just sit there and rot in a box. Right? As Christians, we we have this faith that um, our bodies might be here, but our souls will go with Jesus. But if you do not surrender to Jesus, if you do not surrender your life to Jesus, you will die and face your death. But Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. So I want you to know, Christians, when you feel like your sin is getting too much for you to bear. Christians, when you feel like Jesus can't forgive you because you just keep sinning. Listen to what Jesus says when he says, I am the resurrection. I am the power. I am the new life. And hold on to that. Go back to Jesus. Go back to the cross. Surrender to him and hold on to the victory that he's trying to give you. Do not let death try to creep back on you. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And I believe this is what will help us this morning understand what Jesus truly did on the cross. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our own flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. I know some of you parents are saying, yes, my child is at nature a child of wrath, right? Uh, but it's saying here, just like the rest of mankind, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Verse 6 says, and was raised up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That Christ has prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So what Ephesians is saying today, yes, we're celebrating that Jesus died for sinners so that he can give us a second chance. Yes, we see that Lazarus was dead. But what you need to realize without Jesus, right, without Jesus, you're not going to one day die. Without Jesus, you are dead right now. That's what Ephesians says, that we were walking dead. We were walking zombies. We were dead in our sins. But Jesus... Right? Without Jesus, you are that dead man walking. Without Jesus, you are walking in darkness. Without Jesus, you don't have the power to resurrect from the dead. Right? And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is what? Through who? Through Jesus Christ. And what that means is that when you die without Jesus, you are paying the penalty for your own sin. And that means death. You have to pay your own debt. You have to pay the price for your own sin. For the fact that you were walking in your own disobedience. You were following what you felt was right. But Ephesians chapter 2 says, Right now you were already dead without Jesus. Though you be alive and sitting in the pew right now, without Jesus you were sitting there dead. You were spiritually dead. And maybe some of you feel like that today. 
I know that there's been times in my life when I pursued my own passion, I pursued my own will, I pursued the sins that I would refuse to fight against and just fall to temptation. I literally felt dead inside. And that's because the sin was controlling me, right? But know that God being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we are dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. Right? You might be spiritually dead, but you are physically alive right now. Everybody take a deep breath in. Take a deep breath. Let it out. Do it one more time. Breathe in. Breathe out. That tells me you're alive. Right? And if you're alive in here today and you don't know Jesus, all that's telling me is that God's giving you another chance. If you're in here and your heart is beating and you don't know Jesus, you've never surrendered, that just tells me that God is trying to pursue you. That God is trying to get you to surrender to Him. He's trying to give you another chance. You, you might be spiritually dead, but Jesus is here trying to give you life. He's trying to get you to realize that you need Him. And trying to get you to a point in, in, in life where you remember who Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And when you surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior, not just for salvation, but you surrender to Him as the Lord and boss over your entire life, right? When you do that, He said that I am the resurrection. I will return to life one day. And you will too because you believe in me. We are united with Christ in His death through baptism and salvation, and we will rise again to new life. I want you to go back to John chapter 11, because the story doesn't end with Lazarus being dead for four days, right? You guys know this? Look at verse 39, or verse 38. Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. And it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man. I love how they phrase that in the English version. Right? The sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there would be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Right? And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around today, that they might believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips. And his face wrapped in cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Verse 39 says, Martha, the sister of them, and said, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. How many of you have ever been around something dead? Right? You're in East, you're in East Tennessee, right? It stinks. Right outside of Don and Diane's house, there's a possum. Been there for a few days. I'm downwind. I smell it when I come out. My dog smells it. I come outside. I'm like, oh my gosh, my dog wants to go see what it is. Right? But it stinks. And then something else died right next to that too, right? But it stinks. And so why I want to, uh, um, to show that, why Martha kind of mentioned that, is saying, um, she was saying the same thing that most Christians say today. I've been doing ministry for a little while now, and this is what I've heard. Donnie, I'm too dirty for God to save me. Have you heard that before? Say yes. Or, or Donnie, you don't understand. I've done too many bad things in my life for Jesus to forgive me. Have you heard that? Say yes. yes. Or maybe, Donnie, maybe I, I, I stink too much. If your neighbor stinks too much right now, say yes. <laughs> I, I just want to see who's going to do that, right? 
But Jesus told them, roll back that stone. But there will be an order. And a lot of us today feel like, man, I, I, when we get into this rut where we sin over and over and over again. And it starts weighing on us that we're sinning, right? And, and, I, and I heard someone say here recently, I, every time I sin, I feel like I'm putting Jesus back on the cross. But you can't put Jesus back on the cross because Jesus is alive. You can't put Jesus back on the cross because he's risen, right? What that means is that Jesus has forgiven sin. What that means is that when Jesus said it was finished, it was finished. There's no going back. You can't put his, you can't put his body back in the grave and then back on the cross. Jesus is risen. But know that God does take sin seriously. It is a stench to him. It makes him want to vomit. God hates the sin in our life, and he only hates it because it separates us from him. He doesn't hate the sinner because we're all sinners, but he hates the sin in our life because it is separating us, right? And so what I want you to know that you're not too dirty for Jesus to do something in your life. What I want you to know is that you don't stink enough for God to say, I'm done with you. There's nothing that you can do, nothing that you've already done that will make Jesus love you less or make Jesus love you more. Jesus just loves you and he just died on the grave and he rose with the, from the grave to give you power and victory over sin because he he loves you. For by grace you have been saved. There's no one on this world, this planet, I don't care how evil you think they are, that Jesus can't forgive, that Jesus can't do something in their life. Look at verse 40. Verse 40 says this, Jesus said there, did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God? Jesus says, I don't care. Because what I'm about to do in your life, and he's saying this to you today and me as well, what if you let me work in your life, if you let me be who I am, I'm going to do something so big that when the rest of the world see it, they're going to bring me glory. Do you understand? That when you allow Jesus to do something in your life, when you stop trying to put the stone back over your grave and allow Jesus to do something, he says, I'm doing it not just for your sake, right? But I'm doing it so that others will know how good I really am. I am Jesus, the resurrection and the new life. But the difference between um, uh, of someone feeling guilty for their sin and not feeling guilty is the difference is that the sinner has to surrender. The sinner has to take all of his sins, all of his dirt, all of the stench from his sin and give it to Jesus. You guys with me? Look at verse 41. And it says this, So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around me, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen stripes, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, Unbind him and let him go. Jesus said it loudly. Right? Have you ever tried to wake somebody up from a nap before? And you tried to start with a little gentle shake on the shoulder, right? And, and then that didn't work. What's your next step? What, what, what's your next step? A little, little slap in the face, right? A little, hey, wake up, wake up. I would never do that to my wife because I would instantly get punched, right? And so Jesus didn't come trying to just gently wake Lazarus out of the sleep, right? Jesus came and said, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus. 
Come out. He said it to wake him up, to get his attention. He called his name, called him out of the grave. And why that's so important to realize that Jesus wasn't whispering is because Jesus is loudly calling your name out of your grave. Y'all don't like it when I shout, huh? Jesus said loudly, Lazarus. Come out of your grave. Come out out of your grave. Come. And he didn't say this. I like the King James Version on this one, actually, right? He said, cometh forth. Right? That sounds a little more aggressive, right? Cometh. If my mama said cometh, you better believe I'm going. Right? (laughs) Cometh forth. But what he didn't say, and what people like to twist Jesus' words a little bit, right? To make it a little more comfortable for them. Some people like to say that it was more like this. Hey, Lazarus, be alive. Hey, Lazarus, hey, hey, man, be alive. And why people try to twist it like that is because it's way more comfortable just to say, yes, I'm a Christian. Live in the darkness, live in the grave, be dead in your sin, and say, yes, I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sunday. I go to church on Wednesday. I do my thing on Easter. I do my thing on Christmas, right? I praise Jesus right on. But in reality, they've never surrendered themselves to Jesus. And so what I'm here to tell you is that Jesus didn't say, Hey, Lazarus, be alive. He said, Lazarus, come out of your grave. Leave it behind. Leave your sin, your grave clothes, those things that bound you to the death. Leave it behind and come out. Come follow me. And that requires movement. That requires you doing something. That requires you actually leaving your sin and your death and the things that you're tempted to, that you keep going back to rather than going to Jesus. That requires you to to leave them in the grave and come out. Then you get to be alive. You understand what I'm saying? Then you get to be alive. Once you surrender to Jesus, Jesus says the, the, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give life and life abundantly or more fully, whatever version you want. And all, all I'm saying is that Jesus came and he says, if you follow me, you surrender to me, then you can live. And why can Jesus say that? Because he is the resurrection, the power of resurrection and of new life. I don't know if you guys are following me this morning. Because if you were following this morning, I think I would hear a little more excitement. Because what that means is that if Jesus called Lazarus out of his grave, that means he's calling you out of yours right now. And if you were actually dead right now and you didn't know Jesus and he's trying to give you a second chance, I bet you you would probably take it, right? I hope so. Jesus said, come out of your grave. Let me, I want you to listen to me. You weren't made for the grave. You weren't made for sin. You weren't even made to be, uh, or to be for this world. You were made to move out of sin, to move out of the grave, to move away from sin, and to move towards Christ. That means to repent. Right? We had our Easter egg hunt yesterday. How many of you kids were at the Easter egg hunt yesterday? It was fun, right? It was like 1,300 eggs. It was awesome. Right, the sun was. It just felt good. It was a good day. But we had a little game with the kids in here. It was like red light, green light. And every time I I say go, they would run down the aisle. And when I yelled repent, they would have to turn and run back to me. And I would yell repent again. They would turn back and run down the aisle. And the first one to reach the end was the winner. But I want you to see that that's not just a game for kids. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Therefore, repent and be baptized. Repent. 
That means to turn away from your sin. That's exactly what Jesus tells Lazarus when he was dead. He called him out of the grave and said, come on. Take off those grave clothes and get him going. Let him go. Turn him loose. You guys with me? I know you're hungry. Just hold on. Hold on. So how does this apply to us today? We're going to wrap up like this. How does this whole Easter, how does Lazarus coming out of the grave, right? How does this apply to us today? Know that Jesus calls us out of the grave, right? Is that right? Say amen. Amen, Amen, right? I want you guys with me. We were dead in our sins and Jesus calls them to himself. He calls us to salvation, to repentance, and calls us away from our own sin, our own desires, because we were just following the course of this world, doing what we thought was right. And Jesus calls us to repent and to turn to him, to surrender. Surrender to him as our king. So Jesus wants us to come to a point where we say, Jesus, I'm done living how I'm living. I'm done with my with my life and what I've been doing with it. I want to surrender to you. Just like Alex, who got baptized this morning, that was his testimony. I'm tired of doing what I was doing. I want Jesus. And so Jesus, first and foremost, calls you to himself. But what tends to happen is some of you have answered that call. Some of you in here are believers. And I don't know your heart. Only God knows the heart of man. If you tell me you're a Christian, you're a Christian. I love you. I'm praying for you. Right? But what tends to happen is we've answered this call to Jesus. You've heard his name calling you out of your grave. You've surrendered your life to him. You've taken off your grave clothes and the things that were holding you back from following him. And you begin to follow Jesus. But there was that one sin that you just can't get rid of. There's that, there's that one thing that you keep going back to, right? There's that one thing, maybe it's one more beer, just to get you a little buzz. Maybe it's just one more hour with the video game. Maybe it's just one more episode on TV. Maybe it's just one more night, we're just going to sleep together one more time. Maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it's just one more lust. Maybe it's just one more lie. Maybe it's one more time cheating. Maybe it's one more lie, one more time stealing. It's just that one more sin, that we tend to keep going back to. And when we do that, right? When we hear Jesus calling us out of the grave and you keep going back to the same sin, it kind of looks like this. You hear Jesus calling you out of your grave and you come out, oh yeah, I said this prayer, I believe in you, Jesus, right, right on. But you go back to the same sin. And it's like you're going back into the grave, right? And you, and you put back on those grave clothes that you've taken off. And, and you put back on that stench of death. And you, and you get back into your grave and you go, Jesus, I hear you calling me. And I hear you calling me into new life. But I kind of like it right here. I, I kind of like, like my life. I, I kind of like doing what I'm doing. And you say, Jesus, I appreciate what you're, what you're calling me to. But why don't you go ahead and roll that stone back over. And then you lay back down into your grave. And then you ask me, Pastor, how come I don't feel close to Jesus anymore? Pastor, I just don't feel as close as I once was with Jesus. Maybe if you would have stopped rolling the stone back over your grave. Maybe if you would have actually taken off all the grave clothes. Maybe if you would have actually surrendered those things that keep calling you back to the grave. Maybe if you would actually walk in the light of Jesus, maybe you wouldn't feel that way. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad about anything. This is for me too. Daily I fight. Right? I'm a pastor. I'm not a superhuman. I'm just another beggar trying to point you to where some bread's at. 
And so this is a sermon for me. But there's those, that one thing that keeps trying to get you to go back into your grave. And I kind of feel some of you getting mad at me, so let me make it worse. All right? Let me make it worse real quick. Some of you are saying, well, Pastor, I'm a sinner. I can't help but sin. So you're saying, I can't, you know, I need to stop sinning? No, we're all sinners. But the difference is, are you going to surrender to Jesus? The difference is, are you going to do something about the sin, or are you just going to keep going back to it? The difference is, are you going to keep letting death have victory in your life when it has no victory? The difference is, are you going to let sin have this sting in your life that causes you not to follow Jesus, or are you going to do something about it? Some of you are mad at me. Come on. I love it. You have to surrender those things that take you back into your grave. Turn to Romans chapter 6, and we're going to wrap up with this. Romans chapter 6. says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. It doesn't end there. Keep going. For we have been united with him in death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once and for all. But for the life He lives, He lives to God. So that you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We know that we are no longer bound to sin. Amen. That should be something that you clap to. We're no longer bound to sin. There no longer has a hold on us. Those death clothes, they don't bind us anymore. And that's what Satan tries to do. Satan tries to use our sin in our life to make us feel guilty about it and say, man, you're too dirty now. God's not going to forgive you. Oh, you fell to that sin again. You lusted again. You looked at that again. You said that again. You did that again. God, man, that's too many times. God's not going to forgive you. And that's what the enemy tries to do with our sin. But what we need to do as Christians just remember that Jesus died for sin once and for all. And instead of being so guilty about it, say, God, look, I know I'm a sinner. I'm repenting. God, free me from the sin. Give me strength and let me move forward. You claim that victory. Don't let the enemy take the victory from you. If Christians were just as passionate, okay, here, let me, let me explain this. I, as I canceled with people, right, this is a few days ago, I was counseling with this guy at the skate park, and he told me, man, you know, I just feel so guilty when I sin. I feel like God's not going to forgive me. And I was like, well, what do you do about it? He goes, well, man, I sit in my room, and, you know, and, I, and, he, and he doesn't do anything about it. For days and days, he feels guilty and guilty, and the enemy's just telling him all these lies straight out of hell. Right? And he's just guilty and guilty. And I told him, man, if you were just as passionate about feeling guilty about your sin and being just as passionate about fighting your sin, you would be just fine. 
If you are passionate about being guilty and not doing anything for Christ and be passionate for the fact like I'm not going to sin, right? Knowing that we're going to sin, but no, I'm not going to wake up and let sin have its victory. I may slip, I may stumble, but I'm walking in the light. I'm waging war on my sin. I'm choosing to be obedient rather than disobedient because I want life. I don't want the grave. I want Jesus. If believers started doing that, man, things would look so much different here. Your life would be turned upside down. America would look different. The world would look different. But today we're going back to our grave. The same grave that Jesus calls us from. Right? And so uh, I know some of you are probably saying, well, Pastor, how do I do this? Right? I got some more. I got a whole other page. I, I, I see you getting tired, right? Yep. Yep. So, Pastor, how do I, how do I leave those sins that, I, that keeps calling me back to the grave? And I don't know what it is. I can't pretend to know what you're going through. I can't pretend to know what you struggle with. It could be lust. It could be getting drunk. It could be drugs. It could be cheating. It could be having sexual relations outside of marriage. I don't know what your sin is. But, Pastor, how do I get to the point where I'm not, I'm not choosing the grave? I'm choosing Jesus. The first thing you have to do is realize that you, if you are a believer, realize that you have been set free. And the first thing that you need to do when you go back to the grave is instantly repent. Get down on your knees. Ask God to forgive you. Tell God, I'm sorry for going back to it. I'm sorry for laying back down in my grave. I'm sorry for turning to this rather than turning to you. Jesus, forgive me. And then know, believer, that He is already forgiving you. Walk in the new life. The first thing you have to do is ask for forgiveness. Take responsibility for your sin. Someone, I want you guys to say responsibility. Say it a little louder. Responsibility. I think we've forgotten in 2018 what responsibility means. Sin is not someone else's fault that you sin. It's not the devil's fault. It's not your buddy's fault. It's not because you're hurt so you'll be lazy. It's not no one's fault. It's your own fault that you chose to sin. So own it and say, Jesus, this is what it is, man. I promise you, you're never going to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, just in case you didn't know, this is what I've done. And God all of a sudden go, oh, I didn't know you did that. <laughs> Jesus knows. He's already died for it. You can't surprise someone who's already taken care of something. So repent and move to Jesus. And that might look like you rededicating your life today. Maybe you are a Christian and you keep going back to whatever sin it is that's calling you to your grave. Maybe it's time for you to rededicate yourself to God. And rededication isn't just for the person that doesn't come to church but like three or four times a year. Rededication should happen in the believer's life every single day. Rededication looks like when you wake up in the morning, Jesus, I sinned yesterday. I messed up. I didn't live for you. But today I'm fighting my sin. I'm waging war and I'm going to live to you. I'm dedicating my life to you, Jesus. So don't think that rededication is for someone who's like backsliding because we're technically we're all backsliders. So maybe that looks like you rededicating your life today. The second thing you have to do, you have to walk in your new life. Ephesians talks about walking in the newness of life. Walking in newness literally means you letting go of your old self and putting on Christ. Your old mindset. Your old ways of thinking. Your old ways of just following what everybody else is doing. You let that go and you cling on to Jesus. 
You daily pray and seek ways to live more like Jesus. That's the goal. Jesus gave us two easy commands. Love your God with what? All your heart, soul, mind, strength. And love your neighbor as your what? As yourself. Those are very easy commands. Daily, repent. Take responsibility for your sin. Rededicate your life. And then seek ways to live like Him. The third step is to wage war against your sin. I know um, that what happens is we, we keep struggling with the same sin over and over. We feel guilty and we hear this voice saying, God's not going to forgive you. But remember, fight. You have the power of Jesus Christ living inside of you. If you are a Christian... When Jesus says, I am the power of resurrection, and I am the new life, that means that we are too. So use that power and fight your sin. Don't just give in to it. It's hard. Believe me. There's a lot of things I used to do that I would love to be doing today. Right? But I'm never going back to the grave. I'm never going back to my old life. And the fourth thing, in order to help you um, move uh, out of the grave, stop going back to your old sin, is to seek Jesus daily. Right? One of the things that we focus on here at, at Dublin Baptist Church is discipleship. And so, the members of DBC, I want to challenge you what is a disciple? A follower, right? A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. So, if you claim to be a Christian, right? If you, right now, if you claim to be a Christian, if I was to say, who's a Christian, and you rose your hand, then you have to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And you can't be a follower who doesn't follow because that doesn't make sense. And so if you don't want to go back into the grave, maybe you should spend some time with Jesus. If you don't want to go to the grave, and you don't want to go back to your old sin, you want to stop doing the same things over and over, maybe you should walk in the new life that Jesus is trying to give you and figure out why He wants you to live a new life. And how do you do that? Well, the first thing you do is pray. This isn't new. Pray. Why do you pray? The first thing you pray is you tell God how good He is. You give Him thanks. You woke up this morning. Did you tell Him thank you? Oh, y'all sleep, huh? You pray. You pray to give Him thanks. You pray to ask Him for help. You pray for strength. You pray for forgiveness. You pray for repentance. You pray. You spend time listening. Prayer is communication. Communication doesn't work if you just never shut up. Sometimes you need to be still and quiet and allow Jesus to speak to you. And that's hard for me. I'm ADHD and I love Red Bull. It's hard. But spend time in prayer. And then you have to spend time in God's Word. This isn't new. You have to spend time in the Word. How, how are you going to claim to be a Christian if you don't know how Christ actually lived His life? How, how can you claim to be a Christian if you don't know what Jesus is trying to tell you? How can you follow Jesus if you don't know what He's commanding of you? Man, spend time in the Word. Right? Guys, if this is something that, that you should fall in love with. This is life. It's alive and it speaks to you. Man, uh, last Sunday we literally came in here. I didn't preach. We sang a couple songs, but we set up a microphone and we just took turns reading God's Word. And that was probably the most powerful Sunday night I've ever experienced in my life. I loved it. But if you're going to walk in new life, you probably should know what life looks like. Amen?
And the last thing is seek ways to serve Jesus. Seek ways to serve Jesus. And so I'm going to have the praise team come up. And this is going to be our time of response. Two people in the world, right? The condemned and the not condemned. If you are a Christian today, and you feel like, man, I just don't feel as close as I used to be with God, maybe there's something in your life that you keep turning to rather than turning to Him. And so maybe today is the day that you rededicate your life, that you step back out of your grave, that you take off those grave clothes, and you fully grab on to the power of Jesus Christ. So Christians, if, if you have that feeling like you're missing something, maybe it's Jesus. And when's the last time you spent time praying? When's the last time you spent time in His Word? When's the last time you repented of your sin? Not just, oh, God, forgive me, but got down on your knees and said, I'm sorry. And then for the condemned already, the Bible says, because you do not believe, you stand condemned already, and you do not have that power that Jesus has. And we do not have the power of what we're celebrating today. You don't have the power to resurrect from your first death. So today, unbeliever, if you're struggling with your faith, if you're struggling to know if you believe in Jesus or not, know that Jesus is screaming your name. Calling you to a new life. What better day to surrender to Jesus than on Easter Sunday? Here's a fun fact. I told someone uh, this morning. Today's April Fool's, right? I hope no one plays a prank on me. Okay. Especially my wife. My wife hates pranks. Um, but today is also declared National Atheist Day. 2002, they declared April Fool's Day, National Atheist Day. And I love the fact that Easter fell on, or, uh, fell on April Fool's Day because when they put Jesus in the grave and sin thought it won, we can say April Fool's. <laughs> My God lives. But are you going to live? If you don't know Jesus, you stand condemned already and you will have to face your own death. Surrender day. We're going to stand. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be here. If you want to pray, if you need.